Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Holman Park Baptist Church. What a week. I don't know if you saw it on the news or not, there was an election. Somewhat of one. But you know what? I, uh, I know the jury's still out on that. And uh, I've seen a lot of people have to eat crow on social media. I've seen a lot of people uh, um, rejoicing exuberantly over the win. And uh, I'm just glad as an American I got to vote and I get to pray. And I will pray for whoever is in that office. And we as a church need to do the same thing. It's time for us to quit being divided by our politics and be united by Jesus Christ. And so with that said, we're going to just go on with our lessons today. We're going to go on with as we walk through Revelation. And I promise you, as we do that, just as this world, God willing, we will wake up prayerfully tomorrow and the world will still be turning. And the day after that, until the Lord decides to return. So until that day, we must prepare and we must get ready. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for our time together. And Lord, may you be in the reading of your word. It's not my words that change hearts, but it's yours. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. We are looking at our next letter to the church in Revelation. And we're looking at verses 8 through 11 of chapter 2. This is to the church of Smyrna. And it's not in Texas. If you've ever been to Smyrna, Texas, it is uh, definitely not that one. Let's take a moment and read that. It says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna. This is the message from the one who is the first and the last, who was dead but is now alive. Just as a side reference, this is a a name Jesus gave for himself. And if you go back and you look at chapter 1, verse 17, he used that first to describe him. We'll look at that in just a moment. And then he says, I'm the first and the last who was dead but is now alive. Folks, Jesus is alive. And he says, I know, and I underlined in my Bible the word know. I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they are not, because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for ten days, but if you remain faithful when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. And the second death is something (coughs) that we are going uh, to look at this morning. And the thing is, is that in this passage, Jesus reminds all believers that not only does he know you, he know your name, he knows your situation, he knows what you are feeling too, because he's gone through the same thing. And so regardless of where you are today, regardless of where where you've been, and regardless of where you're going, (coughs) excuse me, I want you to know, Jesus knows you. Listen to his words to the church of Smyrna. 
Understand the love behind his instruction and his corrections when they're there. (coughs) If one thing we can see today, we are not alone. Jesus knows you and he loves you today. The first thing we can see, as you see on the screen this morning, is that Jesus knows your situation. (coughs) Excuse me. Jesus knows your situation. If you go back and look at the scripture we just read, he says, I know your suffering and I know your poverty. Just a little bit of background about Smyrna. Smyrna was about 25 miles north of Ephesus, which is the letter we read about last week that is in verses 1 through 7. The name Smyrna actually means bitter. And it's related to the word myrrh. If you remember what myrrh is, myrrh is a, a, a type of, what do you call it? Not potpourri, but spices. It's a spice that they used in burial to help prepare the body for burial. It's what they used on the Lord Jesus Christ to prepare his body for burial. And also, as far as prosperity goes, Smyrna was on the cutting edge of business and trade. It was known as the Port of Asia. If you've ever lived in a port town or visited a port town, Charleston to some degree is a port town. Wilmington, where we lived before this, was definitely a port town. The state port of North Carolina was located in Wilmington, North Carolina. And in these days where the ports were located, that was your you're in into that region. That is where the money flowed through. That's where the goods flowed through. That's where the crime flowed through. That's where the believers flowed through when they, when they showed up there, when they were running for their lives. It was a center of learning and culture. As a matter of fact, it had one of the greatest libraries of the ancient world. It had over 200,000 volumes of books. And the Jewish population was strong, which means the resistance against Christ followers was real. And the non-Jews, they weren't loyal to the Jews, they were loyal to Rome. And they worshipped their emperor. Did you know, back in these days, emperor worship was a thing. Governmental worship, the worship of governmental leaders was a thing. And I would venture to say, even today, that it's still a thing. Even here in America. Back then what they would have to do is they would have to go and they would have to take a certain type of spice or a certain type of gift and they would have to give it to the emperor to show allegiance to the emperor. And if they did not do that, of course the Christians had a problem with bowing to anyone. Now, they didn't have a problem if you were a Christian and you wanted to practice your Christian or if you were Jewish or or whatever denomination you were or whatever religion you were. But you still must bow to Caesar and pay him. So many people didn't have a problem with that. But these Christians, they did have a problem with that. It's not that far. You've seen news stories of other countries where they have photos of their leader plastered everywhere. Now, we don't really have photos plastered everywhere of our politicians, but we definitely have seen their yard signs. And their Facebook post. And there are people that at the end of this election are going to be crushed because the candidate that they worshipped lost. And there will be people that are lulled into a false sense of security because their candidate 
One, my friend, God can do as much through one candidate as he can through the other. He is not off his throne. And you can look in the Bible. He works through good kings. He works through bad kings. He works through good politicians. And he works through crooked politicians. Because every person in every office, we cast our vote. We have a responsibility. But nothing can outperform the sovereignty of God. So pull your pants up and get ready to buckle your belts in. And let's get to being the church. If your person didn't win, I'm sorry. There still may be a way that they can. I don't know. And maybe your person did win. I'm happy for you. But I want to go ahead and tell you, we're still going to have hard times. We're still going to need Jesus. This world needs Jesus. And our leaders need Jesus. Whether you voted for him or not, you better pray for him. That wasn't in my notes. I'm sorry. I got off on that. Just take it that God wants you to hear that. Maybe me too. But the thing is, is that there, I guess my point is, is that there are people that are placing their faith in a party, in a politician, in a vote, in a situation. But my friends, everything other than Jesus will fail at some point. And we will be back at the same place in four more years. Smyrna, again, the city was prosperous. The people were well educated. The government system was strong. It was a desirable place to live. And they felt no need for Jesus because they thought they had everything they needed. If that doesn't sound like America today, I don't know what does. We are too smart for our own good. So, we must look around whenever you have an environment that rejects the works and the followers of Jesus Christ, and they are loyal to anyone other than God, the environment is ripe for persecution and suffering. As we read through Revelation, we think of persecution and suffering as something that happens overseas, which it does, and will always, and has been, and will continue. But it is coming, folks. Jesus is warning the church about this, the church of Smyrna. Now, I know we're not in the church of Smyrna, but again, remember, he chose seven churches to instruct all the churches of what was coming. And so we can read it then. So in verse 8, Jesus reminds you of his power. He says, I am the first and the last who was dead, but now is alive. Folks, the church in Smyrna was being persecuted for their faith. This explains why Jesus emphasized his sovereignty. And power over death. No matter what man may do to you, no matter what this world may do to you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you have defeated death. And Jesus is alive, folks. It says here, Jesus is alive, and he knows what you're going through. When Jesus says, I know about your suffering and poverty, the word here, know, has a few meanings. Let me tell you what they are real quick. Number one, when it says Jesus knows you, Jesus knows you intimately. The word know, the word knew in the Bible, even if, if you go back and you read some of the King James, especially in the Old Testament, where they talk about the family trees going, and they will say, so-and-so knew so-and-so, and so-and-so knew so-and-so. We know what knew means, right? It means they knew them in a very intimate way. And so that same word is Jesus knows us intimately. He knows us better then we know ourselves. So we must have a relationship with him. The second thing is Jesus literally knows firsthand what you were going through. Hebrews 4.15 says that Jesus faced all the same tests 
that we do, yet he did not sin. You say, well, Jesus didn't have Facebook. He didn't know what Facebook drama was. Jesus didn't have a computer. He didn't need one because he always saves. Amen. Yeah, I just need to stick to my nose. That was dumb. But the truth of the matter is, folks, is that he may not have had computers. He may not have had a smartphone or a dumb phone. He may not have had a Facebook feed, but he knew what it was like to have things that didn't work. He knew what it was like to have a trial that was rigged against him. He knew what it was like to have people stab him in the back. Some of them being his very own closest friends that ran when he needed him the most. So if you think that you're the only one that's got your problems, you were looking at the wrong person. Quit looking in the mirror, look in the scriptures, look in your heart, and look to the Holy Spirit because Jesus has been there done that, and bought the t-shirt with his blood. And he knows you. Some of the best things you and I can do is not go around and tell everybody how we feel hurt and just get in our prayer closet, get on our knees and tell God how we feel like we are hurt. Tell somebody who cares. And that is definitely God. Because he knows you. He knows what you're going through, and he knows where you are. And he talks about the fact that that they are poor. The Christians in Smyrna were poor. Yes, I mean, if they did not go and they paid the tax to Caesar, if they did not worship Caesar, they were not able to get all the other associated things to go with that. They couldn't participate in the economy. They couldn't get, they would be looked down for jobs because they didn't worship Caesar the way that other people did. And even today, there, there are people that are losing jobs because of their faith. There are people that are losing promotions because of their faith. And there may come a day where they decide, look, I'm going to take the, the government may decide tomorrow to take away the tax-exempt status of a church. They're already chomping at the bit to take away a minister's housing allowance. And so I'm going to go ahead and tell you, these are real-world things that where we will see persecution, and it may not be with guns in the street, and may be hands pulling money out of our pockets. But either way, persecution is coming. Don't be lulled into thinking that you won't. You will see it, and definitely your children will see it, and your grandchildren will see it. It is coming. It is here. Many believers were poor because they refused to worship Caesar. But here's the thing. Like in verse 9, he says, I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they are not because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Folks, don't follow false leaders. It's ironic that the church leaders in Smyrna were the ones that were actually persecuting the Christians. They were Jewish in the sense of maybe their family line, maybe their ancestry DNA was Jewish, but they did not practice Jewish principles. They were a church only in the sense that they were a civic organization that tried to have power over other people. And Jesus is warning the Christians of that. Folks, you have to be careful in a church work. If you give Satan the smallest opportunity to get a stronghold in your life, he will take that and he will run with it. And he will ravage your life, your family, and your church. If you go back and you look at some of the greatest church feuds, it started with one person giving Satan a stronghold. The second thing we see is that Jesus encourages you to be faithful. Look at verse 10. He says, don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. When he says about to suffer, you know what that means, don't you? 
He's telling the Christians, look, it's coming. Kind of like when you turn on the news and they say, look, this storm is coming your way. Get ready. Jesus is saying, hunker down because it's about to get real. He says, the devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. So why did the devil throw him into prison? To, come on, test him. Okay. You will suffer for how many days? Ten days. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right. There we go. Ten days. But, but if you remain faithful, even when you're facing death, I will give you the crown of life. I don't know about you, but if I see somebody with an arrow pointing right at my head, I'm going to have to think about Jesus' words at that point, aren't I? Jesus chose the church of Smyrna to stand for him. Now look, this is a hard pill to swallow, but Jesus allows times of trials. Let me say that again. Jesus allows, like he said here, he allows times of trials and persecution in our life, not because we have been bad, not because that we have done something wrong, but because when we go through this time of trials, that it will bring glory unto himself. Why do we have an easier time understanding when God punishes us for our sins than when God is putting us through a trial to reach somebody else? Look, I get it. If I misbehave and Jesus busts me on it, I got that. I understand that. I'll take my punishment like a man. But when I'm doing everything right, is it fair that when I'm doing everything right, that he still puts things in my way. If you look at this church at Smyrna, this is the only church of the seven churches that was never delivered any condemnation. Jesus never said in this chapter, I hold this against you, Smyrna. They were doing everything right. And because they were doing everything right, he chose them to bring glory unto himself. I remember when I started working, my mom always said, be someone that others can depend on. When you work, that has stuck with me. Even when I started working out in a peat shed, her advice was solid. When you know that you have a go-to person, someone who will get the job done, they become valuable to you, don't they? The church in Smyrna was valuable to Jesus Christ. They had proven themselves. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I was, you know, there, there was a game on last night that I, that I stayed up too late watching that had a really bad ending, you know, but hey, Good for the, the fighting Irish. They, they got a good one last night. But man, two overtimes in a college game? Man, I had to take a heart pill after that. But you know, I don't know how deep the depth chart goes on the quarterback position. Some of you know. I don't know how deep the depth chart of the quarterback goes for Clemson. But I know this, is that everybody wanted Trevor Lawrence to play. But he couldn't. So what did they do? They got their best next person to play because he had shown himself worthy to do that. And my friend, when God puts you in situations that are testing, that are trials, and maybe even persecution, he's not doing it to put his thumb over you. He's doing that because he's proud of you. He knows you can handle it. He's going to be with you. And he's chosen you to get in the game because he knows what you're going to do. It's not a, a badge of, of disgrace to be tested by God. If anything, it is a badge of honor. Now, some of you like to say, well, I give that honor to somebody else. 
But it's not our choice, is it? Being chosen by Jesus to represent him is not a burden, but it's a privilege. That brings us to a saying that I've used for a long time, and I'll say it again. Nothing touches us that God does not allow. Nothing touches us that God does not allow. We've seen it in the life of Job. We've seen it in the life of Jesus. And now we see it in the lives of the Christians at Smyrna. People were normally imprisoned until a trial concluded, followed by either a release or a punishment. So ten days here means ten days. As a matter of fact, they stand on good ground because if you go back and look at Daniel chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, that's how long Daniel and his colleagues were tested, was for ten days. Actually, the term ten days, it's kind of like a phrase that means a short time. In other words, Jesus is saying, look, you are going to be imprisoned for a short time, and you've done nothing wrong, and you may even face death, but understand there is a plan in this. You see, Satan wanted to have his way. Satan thought he was going to get something on these Christians by having them in jail, and maybe even threatening them with their lies. But no matter where you're at, Jesus is always in control. And Jesus allows suffering to test believers. Jesus allows suffering to test believers. You see, I think that's a slide, Trista. Jesus allows suffering to test believers. There we go. Jesus doesn't test you to see if you will be faithful. He already knows it. Jesus doesn't test you to see if you're faithful. If he is testing you for a reason, it's because he has seen something in you that he wants to use for his glory. So if he is testing you, he already knows that you're going to be faithful. So he tests you so you can discover the truth for yourself. Sometimes Jesus will test us as a confidence booster. I have been put in situations before where I have a tendency to want to freak out. And where you want to just get out of that situation as much as possible. But the truth of the matter is you're put in that situation so you can work your mind and work your body and work your will to get out of it. And so he tests you for you to discover the truth for yourself and for others to see. So trusting Jesus means keeping your eyes on your heavenly reward. A mother goes through nine months of struggle, sickness, and intense labor pains for the hope of seeing her new baby come into this world. Athletes train all year to compete in and win a trophy. A NASCAR driver drives in circles forever to get a trophy. A person works tirelessly for the first part of their life to get an education and a degree just to hang it on their wall and hope for a paying job. A believer works hard to keep themselves and a family in his church for the hope of raising a family that loves God and will honor him. But every believer that suffers today, my friend, will receive the crown of life. That's what he says here in Scripture. Smyrna was famous for being a city that hosted athletic games, much like Olympic-style games. And also in Jewish tradition, they felt like if someone was being tried by God, that they would receive a crown for that. So that's where that term crown of life comes from. 
And so Jesus himself plainly stated to the believers that today's suffering would bring a crown for eternity. What does his half-brother James say about that? If you look at James 1.12, I'll put it on the screen for you. It says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised those who love him. Okay, we're rounding the corner, folks. We're in turn three, getting ready to head to turn four. Believers can live bold lives because they know they will not die. Believers can live bold lives because they know that they will not die. Look at verse 11. Anyone with ears, by the way, that's all of us, right? This is not just to the church. Anyone, y'all got ears? Reach up there and feel just to make sure. Don't feel your neighbors, just feel your own. We got ears. It's for you and it's for me. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. Anyone with ears. The Holy Spirit is telling the church to be bold. Although times are tough, Jesus is with you and he will never leave you. God will use your struggles for his glory. So when troubles come, And they will. You may be in the middle of them. You may have gone through them, or they may be right around the corner. But when those troubles come, understand that you must trust Jesus. Because as a Christian, you are victorious. This is why Christians have hope in the face of death. If you have ever been to a funeral where there is somebody that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt was not a Christian, that is one of the saddest places you'll ever be. Because there is no hope. There is no life after death with Jesus. There is no great family reunion. There is no Beulah land that somebody can sing somebody into heaven. Man, if I had a nickel for every time that song was sung. This is why family members and friends who are Christians can have hope in the wake of death of a loved one. That's why we can be bold today, knowing that one day this body will die, but our soul will live forever. And let's talk just a minute at the second death, because you won't hear this in a lot of places. When Jesus is talking about at the second death, believers and unbelievers die every day. There's not a quota on we need to have a certain number of believers and a certain number of unbelievers. If there is a bus accident and there's five believers and uh, that are and five non-believers, and everybody dies on the bus, that's five and five, right? We're not playing the odds on that. Good people die, bad people die. Believers die, bad people die. And here's the thing, we don't realize this, but you know everyone will be resurrected? Everyone will be resurrected. We're all going to the bus station. We're all going to the bus station. We're all going to be resurrected. One day, the dead in Christ will rise. Then all those that are still here will join and meet them in the air. And they will be forever in their eternal home. Believers' bodies will be transformed into beings that enjoy eternal life with God. The new Jerusalem, the new heaven, the new earth, the resurrected earth. 
as it is supposed to be. We will be there for eternity. That is what our bodies are made for. Our resurrected bodies will be made for eternity to spend with Jesus. But for those that are unbelievers, at that second death, their bodies will be resurrected. And they will be made immortal to last forever in punishment in the lake of fire. It's called hell. We don't hear a lot about that in churches today. You don't believe me? Revelation chapter 20, verse 14, talks about the second death and the eternal life. And it says, Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And Jesus just told us in Revelation to the church of Smyrna that there will be a second death. People will either go to heaven or they will go to this lake of fire we call hell. Revelation 21.8 says, But cowards, unbelievers, to corrupt the murderers, the immoral, and those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is a fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. We all are going to spend eternity somewhere, my friend. And it's either going to be in heaven or it's either going to be in hell. Finally, Jesus knows you, He loves you, and He will use you for His glory. Do not be fooled. There is a cost to living as a Christian. Just as it cost Jesus His life to serve as a sacrifice for your sin and mine, we are to sacrifice our lives to Him by our will, and by our actions. Listen to the words of Smyrna this morning, or to Smyrna this morning. Do not be dismayed if you feel Jesus is putting more on you than you can bear. If you're going through tough days, it may be because Jesus is allowing it. Allowing you to draw closer to Him, and allowing others to draw closer to Him as well, because they see what you're going through. And if you are a believer today, Take pride or take hope. Walk out of here in courage today to know that this is not the end. My friend, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, this is the only hell you will have to go through. Woo! If you are not a believer, you can rest in this fact that He knows your name. He knows what you are going through. And He calls out to you today. Let the words to the church at Smyrna be an encouragement to you. If you do not know Jesus today, you must admit that you are a sinner and confess those sins and repent and follow Jesus. And today could be your day. And if that is you, I'm going to close us in a prayer in a minute. If you want to make sure today that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you walk out of this door, you're going to spend eternity with Jesus regardless of what happens. You can know that today. See me before you leave, and we will pray, and I'll guide you into what it means to be a Christian with a relationship with him.